After 25 years in the fashion industry, I've realized that fashion is not really about the clothes, it's about the people. I'm Laura Van Root Poole, and this is What We Wore. Mary Celeste Bell is the proprietor of Blackberry Farm and Blackberry Mountain, the mother of five, and an extraordinary woman. I'm so inspired by her story of moving through loss to find strength and purpose as she continues to spearhead her family business. Mary Celeste, I'm so excited to have you in person. (laughs) I'm so happy to be here. Me too. Where are you from? I'm from Mobile, Alabama. Oh, Mobile, Alabama is fun, isn't it? It's, it's an interesting spot. Mardi Gras was founded there. No one believes that. I believe it's it. True. I believe it. People say it's the best place to go. My brother has, he lived in New Orleans forever and I think Mobile is way better, right? I mean, I mean, <laughs> I'm a little biased, but I do love it. What did you love about growing up there? I love the water. Mm. And so I loved the sunshine and the water. I loved just the character of being close to Louisiana. There was a lot of French influence Mm. and Spanish influence in Mobile. I just love seafood (laughs) and I love being outside. So all those things kind of fit the bill. What's your first fashion memory? I would say my first fashion memory would probably be wearing a Batiste dress because that's what I did when I was little. And we should say, I know this, that you're one of four girls. Yes. And so I'm sure. Well, one of three girls, youngest of four. So my older brother, there's an older brother and then three girls. So I'm sure there are a lot of hand-me-downs. Lots of (laughs) hand-me-downs. And, but because I was the youngest, unlike my older sisters who got a lot of hand-me-downs from outside the fam. Right. (laughs) I... I don't know what happened, but we my were the mom, baby. my mom decided like it was time to go shopping in New Orleans <laughs> and go to the Esprit store. Oh my God. So that was big time. Really and I'd always time. get like a hat. She'd even let me accessorize. So I, I got the hat that matched <laughs> and I kind of would get like the whole, unso- like the whole kind of line, not the whole line, but multiple pieces, not just one outfit that kind of went together. And I was like, they're doll. Well, remind the listeners what Esprit, like what would that outfit be? You know, their standard thing was that kind of striped thing, but they would always have these very, I think the reason my mom wanted me to buy Esprit and loved it was because she's an artist and they had these very artistic, very fun colors. I think one year I had all these purple and yellow (laughs) clothes and then, you know, throw a beret in and she was just thrilled. So, you know, that was always fun. And was your mom into fashion? Not really. I think more than anything, because she's really practical, but she, she always looked put together when she wasn't painting. Now she's an artist, so she basically got paint on her clothes every day. So she would pretty much just have on something practical with her running shoes. She um, was always comfortable. But then when she got dressed, you know, for the evening or something, she always kind of looked very elegant. And my grandmother was an artist as well, but she also loved to sew. And so she made my mom clothes and then she kind of introduced us to this idea of a dressmaker. And so when it came to a special occasion, my mom 
still does. She's alive and well and beautiful. And still painting? She is, yes. yes. Your grandmother was very glamorous. Tell me about her. She lived a really interesting life. When she was younger, her her father passed away, and her mother thought that it would be better for her raising two daughters to move to Paris. Hmm. And so she thought she could just, as an independent single woman widow, she thought she could take better care and expose her children to kind of this better life hmm. outside of America at that point in time. And so they And this was like Paris. 1940s? That's a really no. good question. I should know that. <laughs> You're she, younger than I am. But she I'm... passed away probably through five years ago and she was a hundred. Wow. So <laughs> you know, so this was probably like late 1920s, early 1930s. Wow. If I'm doing my math right. But anyway, so she lived in Paris with her mother, and then ultimately they came back and lived in Dallas. And she spent some time every summer. She'd go to the Hotel Del Coronado, and she wasn't fancy. They weren't fancy. It sounds fancy, but it was more just that her mother kind of made these decisions of like how to expose her child to the arts and to culture and to put them in these really great places. And she was a painter also? She was, yes. And do you remember talking to her about how she grew up and and her mother being a, a widow and that part? You know, we didn't really get so many of those stories, I would say, but I just... My mom has told me those stories. Mm-hmm. It's interesting yeah. now that I'm a widow, but it she was always independent and a strong woman, but very kind and gentle and graceful. Mm-hmm. And it it's really interesting now, kind of in the past few years with everyone focusing on women and women power and feminism and all these different things. I think my grandmother, even though she took great care of my grandfather and was always focused on her family and taking care of her husband, in so many ways she was independent and the strong woman because she pursued her passions. You know, she was taking French. She didn't play bridge. She took French and she knitted. Now, not playing bridge did ultimately maybe affect her social life when she was 95 and 100. <laughs> I was going to say she did live to 100. Because there but. <laughs> weren't many people speaking French then with her. But um, <laughs> but she was an amazing woman, and I continue to be inspired by her. And tell me about Sam. Y'all met when you were young. It was the summer before our junior year of high school mm-hmm. we met and kind of hit it off immediately. <laughs> I'll say. <laughs> and I'm thinking also, did you probably visit Blackberry or the property? It was just land then or was it back then? No, it was a proper hotel. Actually, my first visit is a very funny story and I'll keep it quick, but it has a little fashion twist, which you'll <laughs> appreciate. We met the summer before junior year, like I said, and that Christmas, So just a little backstory. His family lived in Mobile, Alabama, which is my hometown, and because of his dad's work, he started Ruby Tuesday Restaurants, which he now has nothing to do with, but they moved their family down there, and they always had Blackberry. His mom was super focused on Blackberry. She burned up the highway 
driving the eight and a half hours between <laughs> Alabama oh and Tennessee. And anyway, but they always went for the holidays and it was super special. And so when Christmas came, he surprised me. We had this big party the night before we had high school fraternities and sororities. That's a whole nother story. Oh my God, Mobile. Part of why I liked Mobile. <laughs> but um, but so he said, hey, I'm going to pick you up tomorrow morning at nine. And I was thinking, he said, for your Christmas present. And I was thinking, this is crazy. What are we doing? And so he blindfolded me. We ended up at the airport. And there's my mom standing there with a bag. Again, remember, I'm the youngest of four. She's an artist and, you know, she's super practical. And she has my suitcase and she says, here you go. Have fun. You're going for three nights with them. See you in a few days. And my first thought was, oh, wow, this is so exciting. And then I thought, what is in that suitcase? <laughs> and was it good? Did no. she pick up? No. <laughs> no, no. My two sisters were both in college and my sister closest to me, who I love dearly, was in a really serious hippy dippy phase. Right. Um, and free people, I think, may have just come into existence. And most of her closet was from a dead show, <laughs> which a lot of which I thought was cool. So fast forward, we get to Blackberry and I'm just You hadn't opened the bag before that? No, 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 no. Oh my so, God. So don't open the bag. We get there. We drive up and everyone is so friendly and they're like, welcome back. So good. You know, Sam's so excited. He shows me around and we walk into the little house we're staying in and his parents say, okay, we'll be ready for dinner in, you know, 45 minutes. And I thought, oh, okay, no problem. So I go upstairs <laughs> and I open my bag and there's this random long sleeve dress that <laughs> is, I, it looked like Laura Ingalls Wilder, which- <laughs> But not like the... It was Laura Ashley, maybe? No, no not even Laura Ashley. <laughs> and these random boots that may or may not have fit me. Oh okay, so I stood there and I thought, well, I have no other choice. Here we go with the outfit. Thank God Sam thinks I'm cute. I mean, you know. <laughs> At least so, this part. <laughs> yeah. So, and of course, I'm also getting dressed thinking that Sam and his brother David and Sandy and Chris, my in-laws, are going to walk out looking like they walked right out of a Ralph Lauren ad. Sure. And so I was like, okay, it all worked out fine. And what, but, and um, what happened? <laughs> so yeah, and wore the wore dress. <laughs> I mean, I had no choice, but um, I'm sure that as soon as dinner was over, I was like, can I put my sweatpants back on? <laughs> I mean, I did. I have to say, it's funny today that I have these boots, suede boots on and because I do remember the outfit I was wearing because it was one of my favorites. It was when those little half cowboy boot things yeah. were in, mm -hmm. which I almost have a version. Like a mule kind of, or the whole boot? It was like the I mean, whole, the half it boot. was like an ankle version. Okay, It okay. was just the boot cut off a thing. Yes, yes. I had those on, or I may have had my real cowboy boots on. Anyway, point is, and here I am with almost the same version, so. <laughs> we don't really you know. stray too far I from know. our childhood favorite things. You, I yeah. mean, you're not wearing a spree today, but I could see you yeah. in a spree outfit. For me, it's the dead show outfits. I would have borrowed all of your sister's clothes for sure if yeah. I didn't have the same ones, well, I probably I, did. I did <laughs> love the cutoff shorts and the patchwork dress. Yes. My patchwork dress had a very long life. My mom repaired it about 20 times. <laughs> 
I don't know why she didn't just wad it up and throw it away. Yeah. But was Sam always destined to take over Blackberry or was that always the plan or did you always understand that? Is that what he always wanted to do? You know, I would say at age 17, he was an old soul. Yeah. But I don't know that we really talked about that at that age. We got married young, and by age 20, (laughs) it was clear that he wanted to do that, but more kind of in his teenage years was more about being a chef. He always talked about how when he was in middle school and even younger, I think, that he was the one that was like cooking hot dogs for his friends and, you know, (laughs) like entertaining his friends. And he loved cooking in high school too and worked in a few restaurants and he just loved taking care of people. Yeah. He was he was a great host. He War, was. So warm and welcoming and just the person you wanted to be around. You did get married young. I know that. And you moved to California. We graduated. Well, did I- Did you all gra- go to school together? So I was at Washington and Lee. Uh-huh. This is, everyone's going to know every, my whole life story. <laughs> Here we go. I went to Washington and Lee in Virginia. Sam went to Hampton, Sydney, and you're getting the quick version, everyone. But but so that's um, a couple hours away from me. They're a few hours apart, but they're close. And we kind of went there by accident, not to follow each other. And then we kept dating, and then we decided to get married. And so we jumped ship on our Virginia schools that we loved, but we needed to go to a school that we could both attend because – Hampton, Sydney is all male, even to this day. (laughs) And I wasn't going there. So we moved to Blackberry and lived in Tennessee. And so when we graduated, we decided Sam's goal had always been to go to culinary school. Mm -hmm. And we were going to go to New York to go for him to go to CIA in Hyde Park. And I had a job in accounting. And we went up there to look and we were like, you know what, this is not going to be what we think it is. We're never going to be able to get to the city. We had a small child, our daughter, Cameron, one of my older sisters, Muriel was living in San Francisco. And she said, why don't you look at culinary school in San Francisco? And so we ended up out there hmm. and it was the one of the best decisions we ever made because Sam had just caught the wine bug and Tennessee at that point, well, our county was a dry oh, wow. county. And so Blackberry didn't really have a wine program. People could join a club for like a dollar <laughs> and there were different iterations. I was right. so young. I didn't know what yeah. was going on at that point, but basically you could join a club for a dollar and I think Blackberry could like give you some wine. <laughs> None of it was very good. Ultimately, being in California helped Sam create a lot of really incredible relationships. And he was able to tell people, hey, we're a small family business and we know you are too. And we want to tell your story at Blackberry Farm and your wine is not going to end up in some random shelf in Knoxville where no one will know your story. Will you talk a little bit about Blackberry for people that don't know what it is and what it's become? Blackberry started in the 70s. My in-laws started Blackberry Farm in 1976. They just bought it to be their home and decided to have people for dinner just to pay the bill, really, to pay the mortgage. And so it was a little bed and breakfast. And my mother-in-law, Chris, basically did everything. She mowed the lawn with Sam, my husband, on the riding lawnmower. 
And she cooked and she went to the store and my father-in-law was running Ruby Tuesdays and he would come home and cook. And my husband, Sam, would teeter out in his footy pajamas and carry people's dinner to them or maybe <laughs> the bread or and anyway my in-laws laugh because he for so long just had like a bowl of cheerios and some chocolate mo- he would eat dessert and cheerios <laughs> pretty much in the but anyway so it started very simply and very hands-on and it grew over the years my husband sam took over in the early 2000s when we got back from california from his parents, and they continue to be involved in different ways. My mother-in-law has always loved design, and she led our design program for years. And my father-in-law always kind of played like a board of direct, you know, he was always on the board and always was a great ear for Sam and always involved in any major decisions. So Blackberry started out as their home. Now we have about 64 rooms We have about 50 homeowners on the property. It started out as just a few acres of land. I think the initial purchase was maybe like 100 acres. And now we have about 4,400 acres. Wow. And then to make things more exciting, about 12 years ago, we bought a piece of land that was in our view shed. It was the mountain that we looked at from the farm. Blackberry Farm is on West Miller's Cove Road at the end of the cove. And the other side of the cove is this beautiful mountain land that we were worried someone would develop. Yeah. So we bought it and we created another hotel 25 minutes away. And it's called Blackberry Mountain, which of course Laura has been to. <laughs> had a fabulous weekend. So now we have the two properties in Walland and Blackberry Mountain is 5,500 acres and has about 44 rooms. We just opened 14 new rooms called the tree houses, which oh, I'm wow. super excited about. <laughs> so between those two properties, we have five restaurants. The farm is a working farm. We have sheep, chickens, turkeys, all kinds of animals, pigs, lots truffle of dogs. truffle dogs, yes. <laughs> Lots of hiking and fly fishing and an equestrian program. And then the mountain is 25 minutes away and has a lot of adventure and interesting, fabulous things, a great art program. And above all, both would, I would say, are focused on fantastic food, service, and great spirits. Lots of wine in our wine cellar at the farm about 200,000 bottles. The mountain has its own wine program and also just a great focus on spirits and things like that. You live there with your children half the time there, half the time. So we live at the farm and we spend some time in Knoxville just because my kids go to school there and it's 45 minutes. So I spend a a lot of time in the car and (laughs) and they spend a lot of time in the car. But it's a beautiful podcast. You know, I listened to this one called What We Wore. Um, But I do. It's a beautiful drive and we're very fortunate because it's predictable and it's not like getting in the car in Atlanta when you don't know if you're going to be in the car for five minutes or 30 minutes. Yeah. Um, Sorry for all of those who live in Atlanta, but (laughs) Blackberry is just three and a half hours away if you leave at the right time. Yeah. 
At that time when y'all moved and Sam took over, you were in the middle of five children and in the middle of maybe finished finished delivering. What was your role at that time? When we first moved back to Tennessee for Sam to start back at Blackberry, we only had two children and then our, our brood grew to five. But Sam and I agreed early on. I have my degree in tax accounting. I did that because I wanted to be practical in case my parents are divorced and my mom's an artist and I just was like, I got to be able to take care of myself if I need to. And, but I have this really creative side and I love architecture and interior design. And so I just said, you know what, I'm going to focus on the kids because a lot of that time same was commuting 45 minutes because we lived in Knoxville Mm -hmm. at first because I wanted to know the community. And so I really focused on the family, but I also helped him host a lot of events and was by his side at a lot of awkward times when we were so young <laughs> and then we would be hosting an event. And I mean, it You're was like almost years embarrassing. <laughs> I mean, it was a stretch of time when I kind of wanted to say, okay, Sam, for the next three years, you're going to say you're 28. <laughs> like, just don't even say. But then that awkward question comes up of like, now what year did you graduate from college? And you're like, ugh. (laughs) Anyway. Well, um, your problem is that you look so young still. (laughs) Oh, well, thank you. Long story short, I was so lucky that my mother-in-law was so welcoming and my father-in-law to me and to their family and to their family business. And, And she, I learned so much from her just tagging along with her on her different design projects. And we kind of always have a project going at Blackberry. Yeah. My in-laws kind of always have a project going even to this day. And so I learned so much about that process and, and I really fell in love with design and architecture. And I kind of just kind of dipped my toe in and out of different projects at Blackberry, but kind of never having full responsibility because I was really needed Sam to be focused and me to be able to say, oh, you need to stay till two in the morning. I got this. You know, did I love that he was working till two in the morning (laughs) all the time? No. You know, you just do what you can. And Sam died tragically five years ago? In February, it'll be six. So yeah, five years ago. And I can't, I don't even know how to, I mean, I can't even imagine what that was like. What I would like to ask is, how did you go on? I mean, how did you, how did you put one foot in front of the other? Like, how did you, you have five children, you have this business to run. I mean, how did you do that? You know, it's something that I have thought a lot about lately because you have a dear friend that we just lost. And I have another friend whose service I'm going to tomorrow. And I think for me, Having five children, my oldest, so just a little perspective, when Sam passed away in February 2016 and my youngest child was three and wow. my oldest child was had just turned 18 and she was a senior in high school. And then, of course, I had a little preschooler and three, <laughs> and three children in between. But so for me, I just didn't really have a choice, Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, I was fortunate that I had a lot of help and a lot of people that wanted to step in and help me. But even if, even if I could have laid in my bed all day, I just don't think I could have, you know, I just, 
my kids needed me. One of the kind of critical things that I think just is just amazing was that my father-in-law said to me after same service, I, I decided to get up at same service. I told the, the minister, Doug, who's a dear friend, I said, before the service, I said, Hey, I know I'm not scheduled to get up there, but if you see me walking up there, (laughs) don't block me. Yeah, I'm coming. (laughs) And then if you don't see me, then just keep going. Because I felt like I'd said the same thing to so many people and I had this message to deliver. And so I went up and I just basically spoke for about 15 minutes or so and just said how I knew we were going to be okay. And I told my kids, I said, look around this, look around these people. This church is full of people near, far, from all over the country that you may not see much you look at these faces and I want you to know we're going to be okay. And so I think believing, just having that belief immediately, but also the support I felt immediately. I mean, when you see someone that has flown across the country that you haven't been best friends with your whole entire life, but you see them show up, Mm -hmm. it is huge. And, and then also, so after I finished that, service, my father-in-law said, I think you're ready. And I was like, what are you talking about? I can't remember his exact words, but basically a few days later and everything's kind of a fog. He said, you know, Chris and I've talked and we would love for you to step in as proprietor. Oh my God. And, and there were so many parts of me that were overwhelmed. Like that means I need to figure out how to get my kids organized. And I have to figure out all these things that I used to focus on. Yep. But at the same time, it forced me to get up, get organized, get dressed, put myself together, be a adult human being outside of laying in my bed and yeah. weeping over my husband and best friend dying. And I think the last thing I'll say is that because I was so in love with Blackberry, I mean, I'd first been there when I was 16. And then I moved there when I was 20. I had been there almost 20 years and it is not just a business. It's, it's our life. And I it, mean, and there are 500 people that work there. And I loved, I wanted to keep it going for them and yeah. for my kids. And that was always Sam's dream was to make sure that Blackberry continued on forever for our family. Yep. And that's why we moved there. We, that's why we drive 45 minutes to school because that is where our heart is. Having a reason to get up besides your kids, but also the kids. I think empty nesters who lose someone, it's a whole different ball game. And I, yeah. my heart just goes out to them. Yeah, it's lonely. How did you also reconcile with yourself that it was okay for it to be your own way? And because you were never going to be like Sam and he was never going to be like you. How did you know how to find that voice and how long did it take? Well, I can't remember the exact timing, but I think that Martha Stewart was finally coming to Blackberry. (laughs) We'd asked her about a million times. Right. And she was finally coming. I want to say it was within a month. And there was something else. (laughs) There was something else we did within a month. And I just kind of thought, you know what? 
Sam would have gotten up and welcomed everybody. And I joke because every time he got up to welcome everyone, he'd say, I'm Sam Bell. I'd love, I'm so happy to have you at Blackberry. This is my family's home. And sometimes when I was the wife sitting in the chair, I'm like, duh, everyone already knows that. (laughs) But, um, but it really was endearing and, and he was so humble and he really was kind of shy because of my love of Blackberry and because I loved Sam and wanted to continue what he was doing. I was like, okay, well I'll do the welcome. And, and it all just kind of fell into place because I could connect to Sam through these people, or I could connect these people to Blackberry through their connection to Sam, if that makes sense. And, and so, and I, and I also just kind of thought, you know what, I'm, I have a value that I'm going to add to Blackberry that's different than Sam's value. Mm -hmm. And just one example is he had, before he passed away, I had been kind of tasked with, okay, you're going to be the bell representative on the design front. Like his mom had stepped down and we were working on the team and I was certainly not going to run the design team because I've never been to design school and but I was the one that was like, okay, this feels right for Blackberry. This, let's do this. You know, I was mm-hmm. trying to help guide. Yeah. And similarly, our retail program. I mean, Sam knew what he loved, but he didn't know much about retail. And when you shop enough, you learn a lot about retail. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're good at it. But um, <laughs> but anyway, and so so there were parts and pieces of Blackberry that he didn't really love and he wasn't super passionate about that I had already kind of been tapping into. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, you know what? We he's got our food and wine food yeah. and beverage program nailed. Amen for that. We've got a great team there. Now I'm gonna focus on these things and I'm gonna let Andy Chabot, who is our now our director really run with that. And my father-in-law is obviously very experienced in the food and beverage. So, so I kind of just told myself that I didn't have to be Sam. I needed to be myself. And, and is that you, just you telling yourself that, or did you have, I mean, is, is there a therapist helping with this? Cause I mean, that's pretty big. There are for, a lot of voices and yeah. I will say anyone who's been through a major loss, you, they understand that there's such a foggy period. Yeah. So, so like, I have no idea, but I did talk to a therapist, but also my father-in-law and mother-in-law were so encouraging. Mm. And that's amazing. And, and the other big piece to this is that we had such an amazing team of people that had been at Blackberry for 10 years, 20 years, Mm -hmm. 15 years. And so I had my own relationship with them Mm -hmm. and they knew that I love Blackberry. They knew that I understood Blackberry. Did I understand every single piece and part like he did? No, but I also think there were parts that he didn't even right, understand right. anymore because he had started focusing on something else. Mm-hmm. And and that was the the last thing I'll say is that before when Cameron started her senior year, our oldest daughter, we kind of looked at each other and said, you know, she's our oldest child and she's going to college and, you know, six or nine months. And, and he really said, okay, we've got to be intentional. I'm not going to work all these nights and I'm going to cook dinner and I'm going to take, do these trips. And I was lucky because he had already set into motion a lot of pieces into play at Blackberry where someone else was kind of 
running certain parts that gave him some time off. And so I tried to say, I don't need to try to do all that. Although there were times that I did try to learn. I was like, I can't have an opinion on this if I don't know more. And so there was a stretch where I really tried to dig into certain things. And then I got a lot of advice that was like, Mary Celeste, you've got to trust them, you know. But for me, it wasn't about not trusting. It was about, I want to know more, to understand more so that I can have, you know, empower them, but also so that I can feel like I'm giving an honest and respectable opinion. Mm -hmm. But then I realized there are certain things that they don't need my opinion on because they're already doing a great job. Right. One of the things that's always impressed me about you is how well you speak off the cuff. I think because maybe I'm the baby of four children, (laughs) I just, maybe I need it. I will say I was kind of a little bit of a brat to my older sibling. You know, I was always (laughs) trying to get attention, you know, so I think. I have a little sister. So, (laughs) so I think maybe I learned, you know, how to kind of roll with things and kind of have a comeback or something. Not that that's how I welcome (laughs) anybody at Blackberry by any means, but you know, I think I learned how to roll with things and be flexible and. I don't know. I mean, I really hadn't done a lot of speaking to groups or anything. Sam always did that. But so that first week, that first time when Martha Stewart came, did you do the introduction on your own? And did you, were you prepared or was it good? (laughs) I don't even remember what I said. (laughs) Did you black out? No, 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 no. (laughs) Well, I did. I, I do know several things is our marketing team used to like, I'd come into a dinner, which you know, maybe it started at seven, the reception starts at seven. And I could have been driving from a soccer game <laughs> at 615. Talk about what you wore. People would be like, what are you going to wear tomorrow? I'm like, I don't know. Did I, am I going to have time to shave my legs? Like, I have no idea. It's like, yeah, go in the closet, put something on and walk out. But anyway, and so I would walk in up like five or 10 minutes after the reception started and they would hand me a piece of paper and they'd say like, you know, okay, these are the key facts about, you know, Martha Stewart or whatever. And I would try to remember one or two of them. And then I was like, (laughs) you know what? Everyone knows who Martha Stewart is. I don't need to give some bio. bio. (laughs) I'm just going to relate her to Blackberry or I'm going to relate to her. And so Martha was an easy one because Sam had been on her show. Oh, wow. Probably four or five years before when he released our first cookbook. And that was hilarious to see him on there <laughs> explaining how to make Grits. lamb neck. Oh. No, lamb neck. <laughs> Braised lamb neck. Yum. And which is so complicated. It's really not complicated, but the world does did not know yeah. what braised lamb neck sure. was, which was part of Sam's deal was like, I want to do something interesting. And he loved making that. But so he's trying to demonstrate the Bryce lamb neck. And then he's saying, okay, so you're going to put it in the oven for, you know, five hours on 200 degrees. And then she goes, oh, and Sam, so you live on the farm with your five children. (laughs) And I'm thinking he is not good at answering questions and explaining. Right, right, right. Cooking. Anyway, so I had funny (laughs) stories. I do think that about you too, is that you have such an authenticity and realness about you that you're not afraid to be exactly who you are. My grandfather used to say, if you're telling the truth, then you don't have anything to remember. 
<laughs> yeah. And and I, I really, that was very important for me to realize early on. When Sam passed away, he was not a big Bible reader. He definitely had his own faith and was a Christian, but he was not by any means reading the Bible regularly. And so on his card at his service that we passed out, I found this Brene Brown quote about authenticity and vulnerability. I wish that my brain was great (laughs) enough that I could recite it right now. So I really took that to heart. And I quickly, in those first few days after he passed away, I realized that no one in our community, like our community of friends had dealt with a parent passing or a spouse Mm -hmm. with young children. And so I just told everyone, we don't know what to do. Yeah. I was like, hey, 10-year-old boy, you don't know what to do. Well, guess what? We don't know what to do either. <laughs> the adults so don't know what they're doing So we're just going to do either. it. And yeah. so I think I just took that approach with BlackBerry. But back to what I was saying is the veterans of BlackBerry, the team members, gave me the confidence. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to do it for them. But I also knew that they had my back. They loved Sam so much. And so – It was really all of us coming together. And that, I think, is what's most magical about BlackBerry is our team. Yeah. You come from a long line of um, strong, independent women, and you're raising four girls and a boy. What do you hope that you're teaching them right now, directly or indirectly, as your grandmother taught you? Well, I will say another strong woman that influenced me is certainly my mother-in-law. And that's one of the beauties of getting married young is you kind of take on these other important people in your life. And I'm very lucky that I really love both of them. I would say for my kids, I think back to that authenticity piece is, you know, comparing yourself or trying to be something that you're not is really just a waste of time. Mm-hmm. And and I think ultimately, hopefully people figure out that they're doing that. But I really want my kids to be true to themselves. And I think as a parent, it's so hard sometimes to know, like, am I supporting what my child needs? Am I pushing them in a direction? How do I expose them to things that I think maybe they should see, but not push them? And I think that there's so much pressure on our kids. And when I think about, you know, loss and which has, you know, really redefined our life is that life really is, it's about people and it's about love and it's about just being real and And I think that we all need to kind of evaluate what is most important and really be able to feel confident in working towards that and trying to let go of the voices and anything that's negatively affecting us because life is hard and we're all going to have ups and downs and you got to have the right people in your court and That's one of the biggest things I've learned since Sam passed away is I felt like we had an incredible community, but when he passed away, it really showed. And, and, and that's kind of one other thing that makes me think is when 
someone's going through a hard time, just go with your gut and just be authentic. And you can say, Hey, I am so sorry. I have no idea what to do for your family right now, but I'm thinking about you and I miss her too, or I miss him too. And you know, you don't have to have the answers because no one does. And there's no one way to deal with any challenge and everyone's going through hard times. And so many of them, we don't even know, which I think is one other things I want my child to know, children to know is that if you're struggling, please tell someone like everyone has their own struggles and they're all varying degrees, but don't suffer in silence. If you could meet a junior in high school, Mary Celeste, what would you want her to know? Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> I think I would I would say believe in yourself and go with your gut. Oh. You have a junior in high school, don't you? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah. Yes. But I'm thinking yeah. about you. And so I'm do thinking I. about you and, and what, you know, what you've done in, in this life. It's a lot. Well, what you've overcome. and I think faith just plays such a huge role. I mean, I I talked about this when I came to Charlotte a few years ago and spoke at Christ Church, but my parents got divorced when I was in third grade and my mom and my grandmother had an incredible faith and they, you know, my mother still goes to church all the time. Not that going to church means that you have a strong faith, but she's a devout Catholic Mm -hmm. and I grew up in the Catholic church and I have to say, I don't really go to the Catholic church anymore. I'm just being honest, but I think believing in something bigger than what we see every day is so important. And and I, that gives me hope that Sam is somewhere really special. And that when, and I have to remind myself, I mean, I've been surrounded by a lot of loss lately, that what we're doing on this earth, it's not our final thing. Mary Celeste, more importantly, what did you wear to the prom? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> no, we can. This is a good story, actually. I don't even remember what I wore to the prom. But That's what I a good do story, remember, <laughs> what I do remember is what I wore to winter formals okay. because in Mobile, Alabama, prom was not a big deal. It was because, too hot. <laughs> well, because it was sponsored by the school. <laughs> We're going to into it in here. It was sponsored by the school. So, you know, it wasn't as cool maybe <laughs> as our sorority oh winter I, formal. I love y'all sororities and fraternities in <laughs> yeah. high school. So, um, so for winter formal, I did wear some hand-me-down dresses from the sisters kind of in the early years. And then I evolved to getting to have my own dress made. And one year, maybe it was when I was a junior, I think. Oh, yeah. I think this was right before I took my inaugural trip to Blackberry. <laughs> I took off the fabulous dress that my mom and I designed and put on the terrible dress for dinner. 
two days later. But my mom had this dressmaker, Maggie. And so we would go buy fabric and I had this inspiration to try to have my own version of Julia Roberts' red pretty woman oh my dress she wore to the opera. That is awesome. Did I you wear gloves? I did. I think I did wear gloves, actually. <laughs> oh, no. You know what? There were rules around that. Like only oh, right. certain girls sure, got sure. to wear the gloves. And yeah. so I don't know. So no gloves. And I probably didn't have my nails done because we didn't do that then and <laughs> definitely didn't have my hair done professionally. But we had our little version and it was a great learning lesson of trust your mother, but also keep your expectations reasonable. <laughs> You know, I didn't have the Oscar-worthy version. Do you have pictures? I am sure there's a picture somewhere that my kids are like, oh my gosh, you looked <laughs> like you were 12 years old <laughs> in a dress. But it was fun, and I'll never forget just watching my mom and Maggie work together. My mom would sketch it, and then, you know, she'd measure me. And it's really a special experience yeah. to have someone design something for your figure. Yeah. And you felt beautiful. Yeah. Oh, love that. Thank you, Mary Celeste. Oh, you're welcome. Come back soon. It was such a treat. I love being with you always. <laughs> Even with headphones on. And, <laughs> and hearing your great little giggle. It makes me happy. Thank you. What We Wore is produced by Capital and Balto Creative Media. The original song, Someone So Enchanting, was composed and performed by Britt Drazda. is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. Find out more at queencitypodcastnetwork.com.